Do you have demanding expectations of yourself, fall short of those expectations, and then beat yourself up? What comes next? Even more demanding expectations, of course. That'll show us who's the boss of this failure. The higher the expectations, the more frequent the failures, and the higher the expectations. Where does it end? Perfectionism causes a lot of problems, but the good doctor has a solution. Listen along to start growing out of perfectionistic tendencies and give yourself a chance to improve. Roll the intro! Good morning, good day, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Cashy. I am your host. Dr. Trevor Cashy, and today I'm ranting slash discussing slash teaching slash pondering, explaining, pontificating, percolating. Dr. Cashy's fix today, which is beating yourself up too much, too much. And I'm going to start this out with a lovely story that starts with doctors are the absolute worst patients. Doctors are the absolute worst patients. Dr. Kathleen, fake name, is an accomplished endocrinologist I've worked with for many years. Endocrinologists study, diagnose, and treat conditions related to the endocrine system, hormones and stuff. Extremely smart woman that I've consulted on many occasions, looking for second opinions about my clients, just talking shop because I think biochemistry is kind of sort of cool, etc. <laughs> Dr. Kathleen grew up in a strict Eastern parenting household, got exceptional grades in school, top 1% in her NCAT scores, destroyed her board exams, was a national level swimmer, very hard on herself with hard, with high expectations of her behavior. Like I'm sure you can, you can start culminate the type of, type of hardcore person this is, right? <laughs> uh, this upbringing had otherwise shined through, had, had shined through on an otherwise successful career right? The way that she was raised and the way that she acted in these high standards, it definitely translated to her success as an endocrinologist. And it totally left her hanging when it came to how she treated herself, how she treated her body. And it's amazing how people that have such amazing levels of success are equally as nasty to themselves. <laughs> equally as nasty to themselves. I think you might know what I'm talking about. Really high performer, high standards. And, uh, I still suck. <laughs> I still suck. Uh, Dr. Kathleen would beat herself up so badly that she was only able to function at work and was handicapped outside of her domain, right? The clinical setting. And she had gained 44 pounds since she completed medical school and was constantly bashing herself about how stupid she was because the weight kept creeping on. Think about this, the sort of woman I'm talking about here, how powerful she is in, in many levels, right? And, uh, I remember a breakdown she had, and I'm saying this because of changing names, of course, where we were speaking and, and she, I'm bleeping this out, where uh, if I am so effing smart, how can I be so effing fat? <laughs> and she, she yelled it at me, at the world, etc. And uh, the amount of pain in that was palpable. <laughs> it was palpable. Two completely disconnected things, right? Intelligence and body weight that, that intercalated. And it fueled this sort of masochistic self-harming feedback loop of embarrassment and overcompensation. <laughs> she was mad and rightfully so. What she said made perfect sense. 
it also made zero sense, which is the nature of this B sometimes, right? Did you just show up and score 1% on your MCAT? Score in the top 1% on your MCAT? No, I took out an extra student loan and studied as a full-time job for five months. Do you just throw thyroid hormone, metformin, sodium and glucose co-transporter inhibitors, and prednisone that to everybody that walks into your office? No, I get a history and run tests and then we titrate as we go. I learn about the patient. Would you treat your daughter this way whenever she missed a proper serve in tennis practice? No, if I did that every time, it would cripple her ability to play. She needs to learn to... Oh. Then things started to brighten a little bit. So Dr. Kathleen, what you're saying is, you got good at stuff because you take time and energy to learn a skill providing you with returns. Would you put a complete stranger in your office from a different field of study and expect them to perform to your standards? With a decade of study and a similar amount of time and experience? Uh, so knowing what to do and having the skill to do it are two very different things and that's easy to mix up in this sort of field that we're in right now. So things started to move quite nicely after that. And uh, doctors, are, doctors are a pain in the ass. I would know. <laughs> they know it all, right? I would know that too. <laughs> too bad knowing and doing are so, they're, they're pretty far divorced from each other, right? So let, let's get to some doing. I wanted to preface that because uh, even extreme high performers or a lot of extremely high performers, they are equally, if not more nasty to themselves, um, despite the accomplishments they have. Okay, every single person in the history of the universe has moments where they goof. Learning a skill, stabilizing a relationship, improving fitness, losing weight. The type of plan is trivial. No matter what plan you have, you will goof when you're on it. And what was, an inter what, what, what was the internal conversation like after a purposeful or accidental or circumstantial goof? So we do talk a lot about like, right, you goof on purpose. Even if you convince yourself it was on accident, it was still on purpose. What if it was actually on accident? What sort of conversation do you have with yourself then? Did that micro conversation you had with yourself fill your head with more permission giving self-sabotaging nonsense? It actually happens just as often as when you goof on purpose. <laughs> Getting mad at the world, so to speak, and then having, having that energy fueling self-sabotaging behaviors. Right? There, there's no point in continuing now. Whatever, I'll start again tomorrow. This is a disaster. I'll never get back on track. Right? These are sorts of responses you can tell yourself whether you goofed up on purpose or something happened on accident. That sort of response is, is agnostic to what the, what the preceding event was. Does that sound familiar? Right? This is a disaster. I'll never get back on track. I'll start again tomorrow. There's no point. It's super easy to focus on all the stuff leading up to a goof. That's where I put a lot of the focus in, in a lot of, you know, with all my clients essentially, because you're, you're learning the skills to, to prevent and address and identify goofs as you go. Uh, an ounce of planning is a pound of prevention or something like that, right? Sometimes though, stuff comes out of the blue. And you or me, by twisting reality a bit, you give yourself permission to go off track on purpose because you are upset about going off track on accident. As if confronting the goofball stuff you do on purpose is too easy, right? Some silly mistake or accidental mishap throws you off track a bit, and that pales in comparison to the real thing screwing you over, and that's how you deal with it. 
the micro conversations you have giving you permission to stay off track, maintaining the nonsense. Sure, some nonsense happens. And then you have a conversation with yourself that effectively comes to the conclusion of, hmm, I'm going to keep doing this nonsense because the nonsense already happened. Woo, right? So there are quite a few situations where this happens, namely where you blow it. This could be on accident or on purpose, right? Again, it's divorced from the preceding event. Where once you go out of bounds, cross that bright line, there's a point of no return, right? Screw it. F it. I've blown it. I'll start again next week, tomorrow, whatever. You can, you can also try to overcompensate. Or if you goof, then you're, the retaliation on yourself uh, in, in an effort to make things better, you actually make them worse, right? Like the example I had above or before. You can set yourself up to fail by having ridiculous expectations. A set of rules giving you permission to act out whenever you fall short, but the rules are set up so that you fall short every time. That's interesting. What, a way, what, what, an, what an easy way to indirectly give yourself permission to, to freak out and throw a fit and act out. It's kind of uncomfortable when you hear it described that way, and that's really what's happening. Uh, what I'm discussing here is the real and frustrating problem of making a goof accidental or purposeful, and then beating yourself up so badly that you've handicapped yourself to the point of deviating from your plan even more. Good gravy. Pfft. More pfft. technical terms. Okay. Uh, I do want to say that getting mad at yourself when you make a goof is totally okay. It is. Uh, getting, mad at, getting mad at the world when something comes out of left field and knocks you off track is also super totally okay. <laughs> it is. Uh, gurus and self-help charlatans say crap like anger is toxic or poisonous or hurtful or whatever. Uh, you know what anger is? It's normal. You know what anger is? It's human. Uh, being mad and beating yourself up for a goof in a cosmic accident is actually an acceptable thing. It does make sense. Sometimes things suck and that's okay. Advising you or anybody else to stop that is impossible. In fact, it causes you to focus on it more. Ironic process theory dictates that. Okay. Having a negative experience is a powerful way to learn how to approach something next time, either by virtue of preventing it or learning from a response that made it better, the same or worse. It's the feedback mechanism associated with the feeling in the action. Who are you getting that feedback from? Is it you? Is it your coach? Is it your friends? What, what, what lens are they looking through in the feedback they're providing? Expecting perfection is ridiculous. I think everybody kind of understands that and says it out loud. Uh, and the amount of people that still expect it, I think, uh, is, is interesting in comparison to the people who understand that it is ridiculous at face value. The person giving themselves or expecting themselves to be perfect is giving themselves permission to act a fool when something falls short of their impossible standards. I think it's so interesting because that's, that's really what is happening. Can you be better? Absolutely, you could be better. What's a great approach to being better? There's, there's a two-step approach to being better. <laughs> Identifying and addressing the stuff that, that keeps you from progressing. Your decreased goofitudes per unit time, right? Your goofitude density, coefficient declining. <laughs> and two, auditing how you think and feel and act when you goof, which is interrupting the permagoofitude feedback loop, trademark. Got to watch that permagoofitude feedback loop to decrease your goofitude density coefficient. <laughs> learning to lead others, learning to lead yourself from the front, 
learning to play ping pong, or learning to do neurosurgery. The only possible way to learn anything is if you get feedback on your behavior, on your practice. And this feedback, when analyzed properly, tells you if you're regressing, staying the same, or making progress. So there's some points to remember here. I got way more, I got, I got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff here in terms of like things that you can take home from this, okay? Taking a level-headed look, as in when you're calm with a normal heart rate between your goofs, audit the way you approach sticking to your plan if you fall off, when you fall off. Are you holding yourself, to, are you holding yourself up to unhelpful standards? If so, then you're indirectly giving yourself permission to act out when you do goof. When? When you goof. Come on, people. It's my Seinfeld impression, okay? How often do conversations with yourself or others have hard and fast language? Shoulds, shouldn'ts, can'ts, have tos, nevers, alwayses. Take an honest look at all the details. Are you painting an accurate picture of what happened or are you focusing heavily on all the stuff you goofed on? Fueling the sabotaging thoughts and the, the thoughts that are giving you permission to stay off track. Giving you permission to stay off track. Make a list of all the things that you did okay. Make a list of all the satisfactorily completed things. Compare that to the single goof you made. Did you goof? Sure. <laughs> Was the goof an accident or the result of some random cosmic chaos? Maybe. You're still here and you're still kicking. And that means you're doing something right. Find that something. Dig a little bit and list those things out. You'll only need to dig a very small bit to find it. I promise. Write down with the utmost seriousness why it is okay for some other people in your life to goof up. What makes them so special that they're allowed to goof up? Or rather, what makes you so insanely special that goofing can only be viewed as inconceivable for you? I keep on using that word. I don't think it means what, it think, what, what, what I think it means. In inconceivable. In the event you are that special, for whatever reason, how often were you actually perfect compared to the times where you performed at a high enough level, which you are capable of doing, to learn and improve? How many times, right, were you actually perfect compared to, to performing at a high enough level where you exceeded the threshold of positive adaptation, to use fancy nerdy language, okay? If a person close to you made a similar goof to you or had a similar experience as you that took you off track, how would you respond to that person? Would you kick them while they were down? Salt their wounds? Telling them they're useless sacks of crap that are only good at failing? Or would you be reasonable? Take in all the details that you're aware of and synthesize a logical response to help remind them that the sun still shines and the world still turns. Which person are you to other people? And do you treat yourself differently than that? And if so, what is the logic behind that? These may sound like rhetorical questions, but they're serious. This is the stuff I go through with private clients every day. This, this is how you make progress. You will learn one way or another, and that should help you audit the way you maintain, think about and maintain relationships with yourself and other people. So to reiterate, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, you have the opportunity to inject what you've learned from Dr. Kashi, speaking in the third person. <laughs> Expecting yourself to be perfect, one, gives you permission to fail because perfect is impossible. That's a sobering outlook. <laughs> two, it gives you permission to act out and throw a tantrum and make your problems worse when you fall short of perfection. Even more sobering. 
And three, you will continuously move all of your standards just out of reach. For that reason, you will always be mad when you make progress. <laughs> Are you a person that gets upset when you make progress? Maybe. You want to change that? I can help you. Give me a ring. I'm around. <laughs> I love you guys. That, that, was my, that was my rant for today about beating yourself up too much. And how doctors are the worst patients, by golly. Uh, I'm going to go spend some time with Mrs. Cashy now. Y'all have an absolutely wonderful day. You know where to find me. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>